Erev Tov, good evening. Welcome back to the Rambam Shiu. Tonight's Shiu is dedicated by my parents, to my dear uncle Yitzchak Daniel, Ben Moshe Zev, Vibatia Ilana. You should have a Rifua Shlema, Bzad Hashem, Vermach Evrav, Vushagidav, El Narifanano, El Narifanano. Bzad Hashem, you should have a swift recovery, a speedy recovery. He should come back home. We miss him already. Bezal Hashem, we should come back home soon to his family, to his friends, to his kila, uh, to our kolam. Uh, we wish him only a speedy recovery. Bezal Hashem, Also, the shul is dedicated for my aunt on the other side of my family, my father's sister who's going into surgery this Wednesday. We wish her a refuah shalemah, Bezal Hashem. to Rachel Bat Sarah Shadra. If I could hijack my own forum for just a moment, where any who is here, where anyways are with us, those of you who want to have your cameras on, you're welcome to have your cameras on. I appreciate to see those people who I'm learning with tonight. We're now going on 11 months, almost. 11 months of dealing with a new reality in a new world. And this has nothing to do with my shield tonight, and everything to do with the situation in which I see the world. I've never in my life used this platform to discuss politics, and I never intend to use this platform to discuss politics. But I have used this platform to discuss Judaism, I have used this platform to discuss social ills. And I will continue to use this platform to discuss Judaism and social ills, especially when unfortunately those two things go along hand in hand with each other. There is no reason, there is no reason why all these months in, when we know what we know, and I'm a rabbi, not a doctor, but there are enough medical professionals in this shi'u that won't argue with me. When we know what we know about what's going on in the world and the disease that is going around the world, there is no excuse for reckless behavior. I'm not talking about detailed rules. I'm talking about reckless behavior, overall reckless behavior. The same people telling me this is a hoax. They don't have family in the hospital today like I do. The same people going around talking about new world orders. Rabotai, take your new world orders and find yourself a new kihila. You don't belong in Am Yisrael. How many crazy people want to talk about microchips and corporations taking over humanity? Rabotai, write a science fiction book for somebody else. I'm speaking right now from pain. Not at our kihilam, but in our kihilam, because nobody else in the world seems to care. I will tell you, enough is enough. I'm looking around the Jewish community, some who are related to me, and I see weddings, and I see bar mitzvahs, and I see upsharing parties. Soon we're going to have two bishvat celebrations. Weddings, which you just need a minyan to do. A bar mitzvah which takes nothing except for waiting 24 hours for a young man to become of age. An upsharn which we borrowed from the culture of Avodah Zarah 
and Tubishvat, which we appropriated from Sabbathian culture, the heretics of Am Yisrael. For that, you want to kill people? The same community who all of Sefirat Omer, because of a plague that happened thousands and thousands of years ago, they don't do weddings until today. But now, when there's really a plague, oh, now we have to do weddings. What kind of weddings? A thousand people in a room. Rebbe's with 20,000 people sitting around, dancing with each other, sweating all over each other. That's gross in a regular year. Forget about it on a, on a year like this one. I'm in a group of rabbis and doctors that are together. You should see what's happening on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. The Chevrat Kadisha is unable to keep up with the dead bodies that keep coming inside of the morgue. Well, what has to happen for people to say, we've lost our minds. We've lost our sanity. Am Yisrael is crazy. Am Yisrael is crazy. It used to be that there were all kinds of rabbis who say all kinds of nonsense. I hear them, I get them on WhatsApp videos, some of you subscribe to their YouTube channels. They say all kinds of crazy things. Okay, crazy things about this, crazy things about that. Now these rabbis are stepping up to the plate and saying crazy things about the world, crazy things about medicine, crazy things about medical professionals, crazy things. And the Jewish people, they believe in these things. Enough to post them on their social media, enough to share them with me, enough to share them with you. All of you know what I'm talking about. What is it going to take for Am Yisrael to say, enough? You're not part of our people anymore. Or, we're not part of your people anymore. I don't know who has to leave who. It's enough, it's enough, enough is enough. You want to argue about details? Fine, argue about details. Not with me, I don't make the rules. You want to argue about methods? Fine, talk to public officials who deal with those things. But to live, it's not in denial, it's in craziness. It's not an illness just of the mind, but an illness of society. To continue to allow this to fester in Am Yisrael and to go on and to go on and every single one of you knows rabbis and knows Batei Knesset and knows communities, entire communities that couldn't care less that there are Jewish people dying right now. But it's going to come end of year, you're going to donate to their fundraiser. That rabbi is going to come to your better Knesset, you're going to counter from Minyan, I won't. How long can it go on for? So enough, now we have rabbis who are, are child molesters, rabbis who are rapists, rabbis who are pedophiles. Now we have rabbis who are murderers, but it's a olam kemin ha no heg. Everything is okay. Everything's fine. Don't look here. We're okay. We're, we're oh Hashem. The glorious olam ha-Torah. If the Torah gave birth to these people, then it's a fake Torah. I'm speaking from pain, so it's painful what I'm saying to you now. But I'm asking you to, to consider for one moment that maybe I'm not crazy and maybe all the things that you've been listening to for almost a year now maybe some of those things are crazy it's crazy it's crazy that people tell me you know we didn't know they, uh, there, you know, people die they have underlying conditions I was like, do you know how many people right now in this zoom call have underlying conditions 
Why do they have to share their medical record with you for you to take them into consideration? Every person you meet, you have to tell them? I have asthma, I have diabetes, I have heart conditions. Oh yeah, everybody in the world, you have to tell them? We're living in a not normal place, in not normal times. And I will tell you, the goyim are doing a better job of being good and moral and ethical people than we are. The Navi used to scream at the Jewish people, say, if you're going to imitate the goyim, imitate the good goyim. Why are you imitating the bad goyim? If you're anyways imitating people, imitate hamutav shavahem, the good ones of them. Right now, I'm terrified. The way Am Yisrael is presenting itself, Am Yisrael is presenting itself as a bunch of crazy, irresponsible, dangerous people here and all around the world. You look at Israel, you look at Israel, what's happening now? Little children are sitting around in the streets, blocking Israeli police officers, screaming, Nazis! Nah. At who? At the people trying to save your life. Five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds? But I know what happens. These people come around soon when they can start taking flights. They'll start knocking on your door, asking for tzedakah, for their yeshiva in Jerusalem. Instead of slamming the door in their face like I do, you give them money. You go to the Kotel, you ask them to pray for you. You see the name of this great rabbi, oh, it's a Gdol Gdolado who murders many, many people. How much, how long can I say, when it's about Hichot Pesach, who cares? It's about celebrations and Purim and costumes, men costumes, who cares? Today you see the colors of these people who don't care about Pesach, they don't care about God. Now what do they care about? Killing people. Now it's dangerous. So if you didn't care for the last 10 years, now it's time to care. It's time to care and to say there are certain elements of Am Yisrael that are dangerous. There are certain elements of Am Yisrael that don't belong inside of our people. And just like if you would treat a person who is a murderer, if you would treat them the same way that you would treat somebody who doesn't eat kosher, or somebody who sells food that they shouldn't sell, if you would treat them just the same way, if just the murderers of the Jewish community with big beards and hats, if just they were treated the same way as a Jewish person who drinks orange juice on Pesach without a kosher symbol, you already could fix Ham Yisrael. It's a problem. We have a major problem. I don't have answers. I, I know what we've done as a kina. We've just retreated to a corner of the universe, a small corner of the universe. And some of you who are not local with us, so you've retreated to an even smaller corner of the universe. But how long are we going to be quiet when people around us, friends, colleagues, people we used to look up to, people we don't look up to anymore, day in and day out, they undermine the health of the entire world. Enough. Enough is enough. Enough time I spent on them. I want to start tonight's show. B'zad Hashem. This is connected. Everything we said now is connected to the show of tonight. Who are the Anshayi Kavetz If we have to summarize, who are these people? Everything we have spoken about until today. Instituting Berachot. Instituting Kiyata Torah. Changing things in the Jewish people to make the Torah more accessible. Changing themselves. Meaning changing leadership. Taking corrupt leadership and replacing it with a leadership that understands how the Jewish future is supposed to look. If there ever was a generation that has the problems that the generation of Anshek Knesset Gdola dealt with, it's ours. And if there's ever a generation that needed an Anshek Knesset Gdola more 
than any other generation, it's our generation. You're dealing with total and utter chaos. Chaos in Am Yisrael. Manhigut, leadership is at an all-time low. And tonight, we're going to zoom out. Zoom out of the Anshaykhanas HaGadona and their particular detailed actions and focus on the bigger picture of what exactly is a Chacham. What is the purpose of the Chachamim? What do the Chachamim bring to the table? We've replaced leadership of the prophets, of the Kohanim with Chachamim. What do the Chachamim bring to the table that nobody else brought? So much so that it says in the Talmud that Chacham Adif Minavi, we mentioned this, if you remember, there's a PDF attached to the Zoom invitation here. Someone finds it before me, please tell me. This week's Zoom has the attached or last week? This week's Zoom also has it. Here, it's on page six of the PDF. You have the PDF in front of you, Chava? Yeah, if you can't find it in this week, so just go to last week's. But it should be attached to the bottom of this week's Zoom invitation. On page six in Bava Batra, it says, Amar Rav Avdimi. Rabbi Avdimi says, he's from Khefa, I remember we mentioned him. Miyom Mikdash, from the day the Bet Mikdash was destroyed. Prophecy was removed from the Nevi'im, taken away from them, from the prophets. And it was granted instead to the Chachamim. And the Gemara wonders, what does it mean? So... Does that mean that a Chacham can't also be a Navi? Says the Gemara, no. It comes to teach you that even though prophecy was taken away from the prophets, prophecy was not taken away from the Chachamim themselves. And that continues us into the bottom teaching in Baba Batra. Amar Amemar, Amemar said, not only is that true, that the prophets still, the Chachamim are the only prophets that we have left. But if you would choose between a Chacham and a Navi, a Chacham is better than a Navi. That's a pretty bold statement. It's a pretty bold statement to say that a Chacham is greater than a prophet. And this statement, many people have discussed. Why is a Chacham greater than a Prophet? The Chorah, seemingly, the opposite is true. The Prophets. The prayer of the Prophets brought to Am Yisrael. Nivuot, Yechezkel, Yishayahu, Yirmiyahu, all the Prophets. The things they spoke about. You know when you feel it? You feel it sometimes after the Shi'u, when we go back into the Shulchan Aruch of washing your hands for bread. It's almost like a collision. Back into the atmosphere. We went from this grand concept of Judaism straight back into... The nitty-gritty details of halakha almost feels like, what do these two things have to do with each other? So if you would just say nothing about Chachamim and Nevi'im, don't compare them, we would obviously tell you a Navi is greater than a Chacham. But now you're telling us not only is a Navi not greater than a Chacham, but a Chacham is greater than a Navi. How so? How can it be? And so I wish to bring for you a piece that we once discussed a long time ago. So if the idea of it sounds familiar, it's because I've mentioned it to you in passing. 
but I don't believe that we've ever done it together in the text from Hav Kuk's own writings. Because this generation of Danchek and are essentially dealing with this transition from a world of prophecy to a world of wisdom. You can only imagine. Think about this. Think about a prophet. You go to a Navi. A Navi doesn't tell you the Rambam says this, the Shukhan Aruch says that. A Navi doesn't tell you it says a Masechet Baba Kama like that. The Rashi argues with Tosafot. It doesn't tell you that. What does a Navi tell you? This is what HaKadosh Baruch says. These are the words of Hashem your God. You listen to Anaviv. I'll take Anavi any day. Anavi can tell me directly what HaKadosh Baruch said. You go ask your Chacham a question. Your Chacham tells you, listen, what do you want? Maran, listen, Ashkenazim do this, Afaradim do that. And that's how you make a cup of tea on Shabbat. You look at yourself and say, this is what the Chachamim give me? The Chachamim give me a halakha that tells me how many cups of hot water I make tea inside of on Shabbat. And then you have the chutzpah to tell me that a chacham is greater than a prophet? This bothers Rav Kook. And Rav Kook, as only Rav Kook can do, so eloquently breaks down this teaching of our chachamim and connects it with so many other teachings of his and of theirs. But before we do Rav Kook, we have to read one piece of the Rambam which is crucial to understanding the fact that Chachamim and Nevi'im are two fields that are parallel, but don't necessarily overlap. Let's look together on page 16. 16, where are you? On page 16 in the source sheets. The Imam writes in the bottom of page 16, if you want it in English, it's going to be in the top of page... 17. Vidna, you should know, says Arambam. Shahanivua enam moila beferushei hatora, uvhotzaat anfei hamitzvot, bishrosh esremidot. When it comes to halacha, yes, when it comes to interpretation of the Torah, prophecy adds nothing in terms of understanding halachot or learning the Torah in order to fulfill it practically through the mitzvot. Meaning, when a Navi studies halakha, he doesn't start prophesying about what a Kadosh Baruch Hu wants him to do. A Navi studies halakha exactly the way you and I study halakha. The Imam is giving you an introduction here to the Mishnah. It's crucial to understand this. אבל מה שיעשה יהושע ופנחס בעניין העיון והסברה, הוא שיעשה רבינה ורבשי. What Yehoshua and Pinchas, who were prophets, what they did when they studied Halakha is the same logical analysis of Jewish texts, just like Ravina and Ravashi of the Talmud did. So the second half of the Rambam already is going to get us into a different conversation. But this first piece here of the Rambam 
is that when it comes to the study of Torah, there's a famous rule among our Chachamim. The Torah is not in heaven. What does it mean it's not in heaven? We're all familiar with the famous story that bothers many people. Of our Chachamim who got in a halachic dispute. If you remember this story. And one of the Chachamim said, if I'm correct, let a tree uproot itself. Back when it happened, and the Chachamim didn't listen. And if I'm correct in halakha, let the river flow backwards, and the river flows backwards, and the Chachamim don't listen. He said, if I'm correct, let the walls of the Bed Midrash fall down, and they fell down halfway. The Gemara says, halfway to respect one of the rabbis, and halfway to respect the other rabbis. You know, we're stuck in the middle. He said, if I'm correct, let a voice come out of heaven and say that I'm correct. A voice comes out from heaven. Exactly what is the meaning of a bat kol? I taught a shiur about this many years ago in the summer. It's an Agadita class. For my original Agadita classes, before we did it formally, and I gave you maybe six or seven different explanations of what is a bat kol. But a voice comes out from heaven and says that he's correct in the halakha. And the chachamim say, lo he. The Torah is not in heaven. Ever since you gave us the Torah, Kadosh Baruch Hu, you have no jurisdiction over the Torah. And the voice comes out from heaven saying, Nitzchuni, Banai, Nitzchuni, my children have defeated me, they have defeated me. Now this story has so many, uh, not just theological, but also halachic ramifications that it's almost inappropriate for me to mention it in a shiul without dealing with it properly. But this rule is exactly what the Rambam is echoing here which is that when a Navi teaches Halakha, there is no difference between a Navi who teaches Halakha and one of the Chachamea Talmud teaching you Halakha. That when it comes to legal analysis, it's done through the same logical, rational channels that every other Chacham uses. No visions, no voices from heaven, no prophecies. And that may be hard for someone to understand. If they come from a world in which prophets, they bring all the words of God. But no, HaKadosh Baruch gave us this Torah once. And after that, any analysis of that Torah is done with your intellect. With the sources that you have in front of you. But not with any kind of supernatural capabilities. That's precisely why when someone comes along and says, I'm a prophet, I came here to tell you that this is this and that Torah has changed. Who cares what you say? Meaning even if you are a real prophet and you came to change the Torah, I'm not going to talk about the, the, the laws of a prophet who's lying about the Torah. But even if a what do you I don't change my Torah because you don't have a jurisdiction over the Torah. The Torah is chokhmah, the Torah is wisdom. Wisdom is done through the channels of Chachamim. It's studied through the channels of Chachamim and not through the channels of Nivua. That being said, that foundation clear, let's look into the writings of Arav Kuk together. Follow along with me in the Hebrew because I'm going to stop a lot in between the words and the sentences to explain all kinds of ideas about Rav Kook. And I'm using a different book than you are. I actually have Rav Kook's book in front of me right now. So you see this on page 17. There's a quote from the book, Zironim, like a little seedlings. I don't know what you would call this. Rav Kook's main work in his life was his book called Orot, Lights. His son, Harav Tzvi Huda Kook, of blessed memory, said that if his father had many books that were holy, this book is his holy of holies. This is Kodesh Kodeshim. 
And towards the end of Orot, there's all kinds of Orot, Atchiyah, or this, or that. This one is Orot, little essays at the end of Orot. Not little, but little in quantity, not in quality. Harav Kuk writes the following words. Binohag Shebaolam. Do you see this in front of you? Okay, Harav Kuk wishes to explain this concept of in Bava Batra, where Chacham Adif Minavi. He's coming to explain this concept of how can a sage be greater than a prophet. So this is what he's coming to speak about. And the way he begins is with a mashal, with a parable, like any other Chacham in the world. Binohag Shebaolam. It's the standard way of things in the world. Hamishorim v'hamilitim. The poets, the authors, the singers, those involved in the creative writing aspects of humanity. They have a very good way of showing the beauty of life. They have a way to unite all kinds of beautiful things in the world. The authors, the poets, the singers, they have a certain talent at showing you the general beauty of the world, of humanity, of nature, also the general ugliness of the world. They sometimes, with a poet's quill, with an author's pen, they're able to tell you things explain to you things in such provocative, thoughtful, and powerful words. That's what they do. They're the masters of writing, of speaking, of singing. And authors and singers, is there a collective term for all of these people? Jacob, you're my writer in residence. Is there a collective term for all those who are involved in writing? Singing. Artists? Can I call them artists? Yes. Yeah, they're definitely artists. Yeah. Okay, so let's show generic. Artists. Maybe the broke people in the world. <laughs> <laughs> the artists of the world have an ability to move people in ways that other people cannot. One song can change the way people think about things. There are songs, every one of you has a song in your mind. It's a go-to song for when you're feeling a certain way. Or it's a certain type of song that since you first heard it, it transformed the way you viewed something. Am I correct? This is something that exists. You've sometimes read a book that has changed your life, or an article that has changed your perspective, for better or for worse. Sometimes it brings you a lot of hope. Sometimes it brings you terrible uh, depression. But the power of explaining things is in the realm of art. There's a problem with the way in which artists present the world. Well, you might ask, so what, are artists in general, are they messengers of Hashem? Yeah, in some way, in some way the rabbis always viewed those involved in inspiring people, for better or for worse, as messengers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the world. Harav Kuk used to beg for authors and poets and singers to use their talents to increase goodness in the world, morality in the world, Torah and mitzvot in the world. If you're anyways unlocking people's hearts, you're bearing them back to their bare essence. At least do it in a way that will build them back up into a beautiful person. Sometimes you hear music, you hear words, you hear songs. It makes you wonder how somebody could come up with such a nice rhythm, such, such 
deep lyrics, but discusses such vile and terrible things in a depressing way. Doesn't motivate people to do good from that. Avuk says, but nonetheless, there's a problem with this general form of art. Aval, it's not enough just to write and to sing and to move people. There's a job that has to be done which is to penetrate the deepest depths of what causes these symptoms in humanity. How do we machshir? How do we make life better? And which foundation are we going to rest this new life? And how do we preserve life? How do we save life from all of these problems of humanity? You've painted for us a portrait. But what are the solutions to the problem? My dear writer, my dear poet, my dear singer, you've explained very well the problems in the world. You've painted a very accurate portrait of our, the state of our union. No, what do you want us to do about it? What practical, tangible steps are you giving us in order to fix these problems? This, this next step of action, detailed, goal-oriented action, has no place in the hard, hot, brazen, passionate world of art. At this point, after the initial inspiration, the baton has to be passed off to those who are masters of what we call exact wisdom, an exact science. For example, once our artists and our poets and our writers explain to us about how bad things are, how bad the health of the world is, how bad society looks, how dangerous it is to do certain things. Khan, here, after all of those people have inspired the hearts of humanity, now their ear is attentive, they're listening to the problems. Khan, at this place, Tachel Avodat Harofim, here begins the jobs of the doctors. Hachaschanim. Chaschanim in modern Hebrew means those who are uh, uh, stingy, the people who save money. Really he means economists. Hamodidim. Modidim are those who measure. The, probably the intent of Al-Khuk is the engineers of the world. Doctors, economists, engineers, hashoftim, judges, v'chol hachachamim ha'masim, and all of the various types of people who are involved in practical, hands-on sciences. You see, once a singer awakens us to a problem, but they don't have the tools to fix the problem in a detailed fashion. Now they inspire people to look deeper at their health, to look deeper at engineering, to hand on the baton to those people who have the wisdom to execute the vision of the poet, of the singer, of the writer. Statesmen, judges, we can cry about the ills of society. I have a dream. But that dream has to be actualized in a Congress, in a Senate, in a court. That dream has to change practically in society. 
Now that you're aware of this parable, says Rav Kuk, we can now begin to understand this topic of a chacham adif minavi. Above all of this, prophecy, Prophecy saw the great destruction, the illness that came to the world because of Avodah Zarah. It's an interesting, it's an interesting topic here. What do you mean? Avodah Zarah is the root of all evil in the world. What's the problem with Avodah Zarah? I mean, Avodah Zarah is uh, stupid people who believe in stupid things, no? They think that the rock is God. Big deal. It's crucial to understand that our Chachamim never viewed Ovdei Avodah Zarah as stupid people. They viewed them as evil people. There's a reason for that. You see, the person who has a brain, who has intellect, could never believe that a piece of wood is God. They can never believe that the wall is Hashem. Our rabbis tell us that idol worship always has a more sinister side effect to it. That is to bring about all the other evils of the world. Murder, promiscuity, immorality, suffering for other people. Avodah Zarah always comes to cover up in a spiritual sense. We're very spiritual people. We, we, we only burn people in auto defaces and crosses. Avodah Zarah, we have an Avodah Zarah where we have all kinds of forbidden relationships in front of our idols. I mean, look at the Greeks, for example. You know, every god. I was talking about Shabbat Lechanan, about Greek gods. But Zeus is the god who runs after women, no? Is that his, his uh, thing? I, make it, I don't remember all my Greek gods from 8th grade class. So you have a god, but this god is a spiritual being, Kivyachol, right? He's a god. But what does he spend his time with? Running after Ta'avot, running after all the evils in the world. So what do you think I learn when my God does that? What message do I walk away when that's what my God is involved in? Avodah Zarah is the cover-up for all of evil that humanity ever brought into existence. And that's the reason why our Nevi'im cried so harshly against Avodah Zarah. We don't really, I mean, we do care, don't get me wrong. We don't really care that you pray to the rock. We care what happens to you and your families and your societies when there is no HaKadosh Baruch Hu and you're praying to that rock. You read about cartels and human trafficking and all kinds of terrible things people do. By the way, don't, again, don't mistake idol worshippers with atheists. I know someone will hate me later for saying that. An Oved Avodah Zarah may be a religious person. He may belong to a faith. By the way, we've had Baruch Hashem. Uh, I'm joking. Some Jewish people in our history do those things as well. But he's an Oved Avodah Zarah. That's not a creator that you're worshipping that way. A rock or a stick that has no feelings, no compassion for humanity, that's who allows you to act that way. So therefore our prophets in their great prophecy, they saw the future. What is going to happen to a world if it only has Avodah Zarah? That's what's going to happen to it. Prophecy saw, et hadrat noam Adonai echad Elohav, v'tetarehu b'chol yofi v'zohar. On the other hand, our prophecy saw the beauty, the utopian bliss 
of what a world would look like if it only believed in Hashem, not God, in HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that oneness of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Et hashkata shel kol ha-praot ha-musariyot, ritzut zdalim, oshek evyonim, the same prophecy that saw what happens when all ethical and moral boundaries are destroyed, when the poor are oppressed, when those who are lesser well off than we are, are hurt. Retzach v'ni'uf, murder and adultery. Hamas v'ashod, robbery and thievery. V'timale ruach Elohim l'hoshia v'ligdor beruach siyach kodesh. And therefore prophecy overtook the prophet. It's almost like prophecy is its own being, its own spirit. It overcomes a prophet. And it asks him to use his powerful words to preach to the world, to free itself from the evils of the world, of humanity, of society, of Avodah Zarah. But the truth is that prophecy was never successful. Look at the generations of our Nevi'im. Every single generation. You had idol worshippers, and murderers, and civil wars, and the most terrible... You read the Nevi'im, just open up your Tanakh. You read the stories of the times of the Nevi'im, and you ask yourselves, what kind of perfect Am Yisrael is this? Here you have a Navi, Yishayahu, Yirmiyahu, talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the people are doing this. It almost makes you wonder if there was any purpose for having a Navi in the world in the first place. The Navi is busy speaking about all of humanity coming together and beating swords into plowshares. Everyone's going to pray in the same Ben HaMikdash. All the nations will get together. The lion will rest with the sheep and the wolf. With the... And you look to yourself and you say, the same time the prophet is in this high of prophesying, the Jewish people are bowing down to rocks and sticks and stones and killing each other. They're guilty of the most terrible sexual crimes in humanity. All of this while the Nevi'im are talking about this beautiful future for Am Yisrael. But then they also talk about the evils of Am Yisrael. All the terrible things that will happen to Am Yisrael. That doesn't seem to work either. The scared straight tactic didn't work for the Nevi'im either. You know, they come and they tell them, they swear what's going to happen, HaKadosh Baruch is going to do this. The cities will be destroyed. The woman will be dead. You look to yourself, did that help either? Did Ami say, oh, we're going to do Teshuvah now. Thank you. Thank you, Navi. We appreciate it. Now we've changed our life around. You don't find that happening anywhere. in the So much so that our Chachamim and Masechet Megillah write that Haman did more work with his evil decrees against the Jewish people than all the prophets of Israel put together. Haman, in his letter to destroy the Jewish people with Achash Berosh, Haman managed to get all of the Jews in the world united and praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Only the Nevi'im couldn't do that. Explains Rav Kuk why. Hasa'arot hadakot, those thin hairs, shemehen mitztarfot avot ha'agala shel ha'chatat. Every avera on its own is just one little cobweb, it's a spider's web, it's a little string. But when those little strings start to add up, they become this thick rope the rope of the wagons of Chet. By the way, this is an allusion to a nevuah of Yishayahu Hanavi. The wagons of Chet. Gidei hachayim hadakim. By the way, on the other side, they're also little strings of goodness. Shemehem yisorgu mizrekei hadam hagedolim. Those little rings are the, the little strings of goodness are the arteries of life blood, life force in the Am Yisrael. Elahema hamistarim hatzfunim me'en kol navi v'chozeh. 
The Navi is so busy dealing with the macro issues of humanity, of Am Yisrael. The Navi seems to be un- incapable of even seeing those little strings of chet that are underneath the surface. All those little averot, the real little problems. Not the big problems. The big problems he sees loud and clear. The great future he sees loud and clear. But the little details, for whatever reason, are hidden from the eyes of a Navi. The prophets, therefore, they came along and they inspired the masses. They inspired them all about the future and about utopian ideals and about big problems facing humanity. But at the end of the day, they were unable to inspire the Jewish people to act. Along come the Chachamim. And the Chachamim, what did the Chachamim give us? The Chachamim gave us seven mitzvot. Do you know any of them? Tell me some of them. The contributions of Chachamim to the Jewish people, what are they? Some of them, just give me some of them. Rabbinic laws. There are 613 biblical laws and seven rabbinic laws. Okay, so not pulling, reading the Megillah and the lighting Hanukkah candles, Mishlach, okay. What else? Blessings. Okay, well, fine. Blessings, right? Every, every time you eat a cookie, you make a mizunot. Every time you eat bread, you say hamotzi. Every time you eat a cucumber, hadama. Bananas, uh, it's a machlok, at what you do. Chachamim gave us berachot, that's right. What else they give us? Kashrut. No, no, kashrut is a Torah law. Don't, um, mitzvot, there are seven mitzvot. Very good, Shabbat candles. Chachamim commanded us to light Shabbat candles. Why? So we would have light in our homes. Don't give me any Kabbalistic stuff, bringing heaven down to earth. So we will have light in our home. That's right. What else? Very good. Before eating your bread. Chachamim said, listen, before you eat your bread, you have to go take a cup and wash your hands with as much water. The cup can be cracked. The cup should be holding it from this hand and that hand. And which hand you start with? The Chazidah mitzvot Chachamim gave us. Chachamim gave us mitzvot that you look at them in the, in the grand scheme of what Jewish people brought to the world. Chachamim contributed to the Jewish texts the mitzvah of lighting Shabbat candles, of washing your heads for bread, of which bracha you say in a cucumber. That's what Chachamim gave us. But somehow the Chachamim managed to inspire the greatest legal text that ever came out of the Jewish people. In the generation of Chachamim, you have Jews that are learning in Yeshivot. You have Jews that are observing Halakha. The reason? The reason, says our cook. Hamitzvot hamasiot. Kulan ufratehi chotehen bechol diukan nirats. Ech bem shechazman ridek humam vetanmudam hergelam vechibatam. The Chachamim were able, by focusing in, zooming in on those little details the Nevi'im missed, they showed that by studying Torah, by observing Torah, by living the details of the Torah, you can extract from inside of every mitzvah, even lighting Shabbat candles. You can extract deep ideas about light in the world. You can bring about a beauty to Am Yisrael that otherwise is hidden. 
וזרם החיים האלוהי הטהור יגרש בעוזו את חשכת עבודת אלילים מבלי תוכל עוד קום. And this light, this little details that starts penetrating every area of Jewish life, from when you wake up into the morning till you go out to sleep, this light of HaKadosh Baruch Hu penetrates every facet of our being, every part of our life, and ultimately keeps at bay any influences of Avodah Zarah on the Jewish people. ואיך העזיבה האיטית המזלזלת במעשים, בענפים ודיוקים, מפתחת דרך של הרס. וחכמים also managed to show us, and this is something we see very much in our world today. People, I was recently somewhere, I'll talk about this in a minute. I was somewhere somebody told me, oh, you teach halakha, right? Like, you know, that, that thing of, you teach, when I was in Israel, I was Yeshiva, I was the halakha rebbe. Yeah, I'm the guy who teaches the, the thing nobody wants to teach. Everybody wants to teach you Kabbalah. The whole world wants to teach you Kabbalah. They don't know Kabbalah, but they want to teach you Kabbalah. The whole world wants to teach you, I don't know what they want to teach you, Musar, Hasidut, and Levitate on Magic Carpet. Everybody wants to teach you something. Jewish philosophy. When it comes to Halakha, nobody wants to teach Halakha. Shulchan Aruch is boring. It's for other people. The Chachami managed to show us that the life that denigrates details that despises these little actions really enables a world of destruction. The person who tells me they feel confined praying in a synagogue, they'd rather go to the mountains and meditate to How often does that person go to the mountains and meditate to Three times a day? They have a great desire. Nobody stops you, by the way, to go to the mountains and talk to HaKadosh Baruch but you have to pray three times a day. So the person who says, I go out once a year to the mountains to pray. See, what happens is with your great lofty ideal, you haven't been able to translate that into the actions that little 13-year-old kids and 12-year-old girls manage to do. Pray three times a day. You think you're so great. You're too great for halakha. But namaseh, what do you actually do? What we know what you believe, what do you do? These people become their own type of Avodah Zarah, On the outside, they're spiritual people. You ever heard this before? I'm a spiritual person. I don't need kosher. I don't need Shabbat. Shabbat is a spiritual experience for me. I don't need to feel from a sidu. And you look and say, yeah, when's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you had a divine encounter with a Kadosh Baruch Hu? By the way, the flip side, there's also a problem. I didn't get there yet. He starts to become like Avodah Zarah. It's a beautiful spiritual coat of a dirty, filthy interior. This type of understanding of humanity, of details bringing about the light into the world, was not given to the Prophets. I don't know how many of you are familiar with the Gemara that teaches about two types of aspaklariot. There's Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy and the prophecy of the rest of the prophets. Aspaklaria, if I could give you an example, it's like glass. So there's a prophet who sees things through clear glass. That's Moshe Rabbeinu, he sees clear glass. Almost like you can't tell there's a difference between what he's seeing and what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is showing. 
And then there's aspaklaria she'inam ira. What is an aspaklaria she'inam ira? Have uh, you ever been somewhere where they have, maybe in offices, you'll see this, they have glass, but it's, there's a word for it. Um, it's like foggy glass. There's a word, a professional word for this. Frosted. frosted glass, opaque glass, right? Where these are? So when you see someone through frosted glass, you can see a body, you can see a general height of a person. Can you see what color their eyes are? You can make out a general color of their coat. Can you see how many buttons are on it? The Nevi'im are looking at the world, says Allah of Kuk, through aspaklaria she'inamira, through a, a, a foggy, opaque lens they see general concepts general concepts of good future ideals macro vision and also terrible things but also in a only a major general fashion Omnam on the other hand there's a special type of prophecy that was only given to Moshe Rabbeinu. The prophecy of mouth to mouth who spoke to Moshe. The type of glass that was clear. Only Moshe Rabbeinu was able to connect this broad picture of the world with the details found in Halakha. Moshe Rabbeinu was not a Chacham, he was a Chacham and a Navi. He saw the broad, the general picture. He was able to zoom out, but he was also able to zoom in on how many cups of hot water you use on Shabbat and to explain to you what that has to do with a vision, the future of Am Yisrael. Because Moshe Rabbeinu saw through clear glass. He saw both sides of this experience. Moshe Rabbeinu could tell you, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And this is why... If you have a pot of milk and you put meat inside of it and the noodles and nat barnat and all these halachot, they connect to each other. Moshe Rabbeinu could teach you how Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad is connected to Tevilat Kelim in the Mikveh. This is Moshe Rabbeinu. Avalokam kamohu, but unfortunately we know that there never was another prophet like Moshe. There was no other Navi that spoke to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that could teach the Torah so eloquently in a way that took care of both the macro and the micro visions and purposes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu, because there simply could not be another Navi like Moshe, the office of Moshe Rabbeinu, the job of Moshe Rabbeinu, was split into two. But what I'm telling you tonight, this introduction of Rav Kuk, is foundational, in my opinion, to understanding Yehudut. It's, it's a foundational piece. And ultimately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave the job of the greater general macro vision to the Nevi'im, to the prophets, and the detail-oriented micro vision of Judaism and Torah and mitzvot in the world to the Chachamim. And that leads us then to the next piece, which is the Chacham Adif Minavi. So in which way is a Chacham greater than a prophet? It doesn't mean that a Chacham is greater than a prophet in all senses of that word. It doesn't mean that a Chacham is better if I would have to choose between Ishayahu and another. I wouldn't choose one over the other. But in this particular aspect, a Chacham is greater than a prophet. There's a context here. 
In this way, a chacham is greater than a prophet. Not in general, but in this way. That which prophecy was unable to do. With its tools of war that light hearts on fire. What prophecy was unable to do with its fiery passion. To rid the Jewish people of Avodah Zarah. And it was unable to purge the Jewish people of thievery and robbery, of murder and adultery, the pursuit of money and bribes, of corruption. That which the Nivoah was unable to do, the Chachamim were able to do by expanding the Torah. How do they do that? Do you remember? Now, Sheikh Knesset Dola told us to do three things. What were the three things they told us? Be slow to judgment, meaning you have to think about your plan. There has to be a plan. The second, create for yourselves many students. And the third, make fences for the Torah. Normally we mock at this Mishnah. People read this, oh, see the rabbis and their fences. There's always the attitude, right? But here come the Chachamim, and they do something crucial, which the Nevi'im were unable to do. By this act of creating thousands of students, and by reviewing and teaching the Halachot with all of their details and all of their fences, the Chachamim were able to accomplish what the prophets of Israel were never able to do. Halichot olam lo. It says, Halichot, and we say in the Tefillah, Al tikre halichot, el halachot. Don't say halichot, rather say halachot. What does it mean? It's through halachot that we learn halichot. It's through the study of the detailed Torah that we learn how to walk properly in the greater vision of life. This is what Chachamim are attempting to teach us every morning when we say, Al tikre halichot, el halachot. Don't read about the way we walk, the general road. Rather, focus on halakha. The halakha will teach you how to be that better human being. In the times of Moshe Rabbeinu, Am Yisrael had both Nevi'im and Chachamim. But B'meshech Hazman, but as time went forward, Hazman Harav, Nidgaber Esek HaChachamim Al Esek HaNevi'im, V'anevu'ah Nistalka. What happened was, that the wisdom of the Chachamim overtook the wisdom of the Nevi'im, of the Prophets, inevitably prophecy disappeared. As we know that these are the last of the Prophets before they handed over the baton to Anshei Knesna Gedola. As Am Yisrael became more and more and more detail-oriented. Unfortunately, we abandoned the greater vision of Am Yisrael, which led for there to be no more need for Prophets. It's almost like this great thing that happened had a major side effect. And that was the irrelevance of prophecy. I'm toying between leaving you here or you letting me finish the piece with you for just a few more minutes. Can we finish tonight? Continue. Yeah, yeah we're good. Okay. <laughs> What happened, that whenever the macro and the micro work together, 
when the Shema Yisrael, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Echad, connected so beautifully with the details of Kashrut, of Shabbat, of Tefillin. Everything was beautiful. And we miss for those days. We miss that time where when you would see, see what happens today, I'll give you an example. The opposite happened. Because we've become such a detail-oriented Judaism, we've created for a completely different problem. The problem is that we have no concept of Nivu at all. We have no bigger picture in the Jewish community at all. We have no dreams of what a, everyone wants a Mashiach now, Mashiach now. What does Mashiach look like? What does a Geulah really mean? Everyone's talking about Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat. What's the purpose of Shabbat? I know you don't rip toilet paper on Shabbat, but why not? Which deep spiritual significance does not ripping paper have on Shabbat? Can you explain it? Because I know exactly why, and perforated paper, and not perforated paper, and what if you don't have other paper? Yeah, everyone knows. How, what kind of food you can put in the plata on Shabbat? If it's dry food, if it's wet food, is it mostly dry, is it mostly wet? All of these halachot. But why, Ribbon Alamim? Why did Chachmei Israel not allow you to heat up food on Shabbat? Why can you not cook? Why does the Torah say not to cook? You know why? No, because we've lost our nevuah. We've become so hyper-focused on the details that we're not even thinking big at all anymore. Says Rav Kuk, now we've created an entirely different problem. Alken bachita yamim. That's exactly why at the end of days, which is our generation, when prophecy is ripe to return to the Jewish people, the Navi says in Yoel, I'm reading to you the whole Pasuk, even though you only have part of it in Rav Kook's writings. Vayachechenu will happen after this. Eshpochet ruchi al kol basar. I will pour my spirit on all flesh. Venibu banechem uvnotechem ziknechem. And your daughters and your sons and your elders will prophesy. Chalomot yechalomun. They'll prophesy all types of dreams. Bachwechem chazinoti. Your young men will see all kinds of visions. Vigamal ha'avadim valashvachot baimim ahema. And also on the servants and the maidservants, every class of society, says HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I will spill my, my spirit over. When the time is right for Nivu'ah to return to the Jewish people, you will see one thing happen, says Rav Kuk. You will see that people will begin to hate Halakha. Hear what I'm telling you now? When the time has come, for prophecy to return to Am Yisrael, people will begin to hate halakha. As sinata pratim titgaber, the hatred of detail-oriented Judaism. Let's call it in more modern terms. I'm spiritual, but I'm not part of an organized religion. You've heard that saying before? This is part of the process of redemption. And our eyes see this all the time, by the way, that this is something that's very real in the world. It says in the Gemara that at the end of times, Chokhmat Sofrim Tisrach, the wisdom of the Sofrim. Who's the first Sofer? Ezra Ha Sofer. The wisdom of the Sofrim. The revolution of Chachmei Israel of shifting away from the macro to the micro. Tisrach. What does Tisrach mean? It says on Rambam writes in Chot Chametz that only the five grains become Chametz. What happens to rice and kidneyot? They don't, no Machmitzim, and I'm Machmitzim, and Masrichin. They become, you ever smelled spoiled rice? I don't wish it on anybody to smell spoiled rice. It's a filthy smell. What happens to the wisdom of the Sofrim, of the Chachamim, 
it begins to become uh, repulsive to people. People become allergic to halakha. And those chachamim that are the, someone in my shiur on Sunday called them gatekeepers. Those rabbis who are always putting borders up and don't do this and you can't do that. And this is what halakha says. They'll go from city to city and nobody will want them. But you don't have to go from city to city. You can just stay in this city and nobody will want you. What's so controversial? Last I checked in Kilat Shalashamayim, we didn't declare any of our rabbis to be Mashiach, but still we're controversial. Last I checked in Kilat Shalashamayim, we don't eat nivelot to but somehow we're controversial. Eh, Kilat Shalashamayim, we don't do all of the other things that I know everyone else around us does. But what happens? Those people, those controversial people, they learn Shulchan Aruch, Chaman Aitzlan. What happened? Why is it that if you are going to become a public speaker in the Jewish community and you speak about, I don't know, Gog Umagog and the current president in the end of times, that's what you're going to speak about. Yeah, You're going to get books for lectures across the Jewish world. You want to teach them the halachot of how to bake matzot that actually tastes good for Pesach? Nobody's going to want to have you in their bit of Knesset. Because nobody wants that. Because you're living in a generation where halacha has become despised. Rav Kuk here is alluding to something deep that's connected to this Thursday. I'm going to give a shiur about it on Thursday. What happens when the Jewish people are ready for prophecy but prophets don't come? Is all kinds of false prophets begin to fill in their place. All kinds of doomsday preachers, all kinds of people who they know the future. Rabbi Adin Steinzeltz just passed away. I didn't know him personally. I never studied many of his writings, but a few things that I saw of him were very special. One thing I saw, he was interviewed once. And someone asked him what's going to be the end of times, what does it look like, where's the world going? And Rabbi Steinzeltz said the following sentence. He said, you know, some days I wake up, and I hear that this rabbi knows what's happening in the world, and that rabbi knows what's happening next year, and this rabbi knows when Mashiach is coming, and this rabbi knows why illnesses, this, this everyone rabbi, why the Holocaust happened. He said, I feel like every single rabbi in Am Yisrael received Ruach HaKodesh, except for me. I'm the only one who didn't tell him what's happening, and why it's happening, and why the Holocaust happened, and when Mashiach is coming. I feel like I'm the only one who doesn't know. What happens when we leave a void of Nivu'ah, and the world is ready for Nivu'ah? Yeshu happens. Shabtai Tzvi happens. False Mashiachs happens. False hopes are given to the Jewish people. Says Rav Kook, we don't want fruits that are not ripe yet. We're not asking for false prophets. We're asking for Bikurim Mele'im, for ripe, fruit-laden vines. We're asking for the real deal. That's what we're asking for. And this, will cause for the people in true humility, the prophecy will call out and say, Chacham Adif Minavi. Even prophecy will request for the Chachamim to be greater than the prophets the, themselves. And therefore, if I could summarize for you, you have Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu does two things. He is both a Navi and he is a Chacham. 
And in a way that only Moshe Rabbeinu could do, he managed to tie in all the details with the generalities. He was able to bring together everything. And so what is Am Yisrael asking for? After Moshe Rabbeinu finished his career, Am Yisrael split into two. Nevi'im and Chachamim. Just for a moment, I want to clarify. The Nevi'im were also Chachamim. We've mentioned that already many times. The Rambam told us. But when the Navi sat in his Bet Hadin, when the Navi taught his community halachot, he didn't do it as a Navi. He did it as a Chacham. Just like when the Chacham was the Navi, he didn't use his detail-oriented mind in the world of Nevoah. There was a separation. Kind of like imagine this, if one is a medical professional and they're at a charity fundraiser for, I don't know, I got something in mail for the Cleft Lip Foundation. Hashem should give everybody a flash of the mouth. And they're there to fundraise money. The, the doctor who's running this organization isn't going to stand at the pulpit and give everybody a detailed version of what they do during surgery and which kind of stitches they use and the, the light bulb they have in the operating room. And they, they don't speak about their detail-oriented medicine when they're dealing with the public. Just like in the middle of an operation, the doctor isn't going to get out on a podium and start giving all the nurses in the room a motivational speech. It doesn't work that way. These are two separate parts of me. They're two separate disciplines. And for many, many years, the Nevi'im who were Chachamim separated these two sides of themselves. Until we reached a place where there no longer was a need for Nivla, and we were left with Chachamim. Chachamim who know how to do one thing. Details, details, details. Books of Halakha, Teshuvot, and more Teshuvot, and more books of Halakha. And so what are we asking for? Yimot HaMashiach. Harav Kuk always ends off his piece with a bunch of pesukim that normally don't make any sense what they have to do with each other. I'm reading now from one of the students of Harav Kuk's son who's explaining all these different pesukim. Like it says in Tehillim, Chesed ve'emet nifgashu. Chesed, righteousness, and emet, and truth will meet. Meaning in the future, both of these offices will become one. Tzedek ve'shalom nashaku. Righteousness and peace. Righteousness for the Nevi'im who scream out to the world about righteousness. Shalom. What does it say? Talmidei chachamim. Marbim shalom ba'olam. Torah scholars increase peace in the world. The prophets of righteousness and the sages of shalom, they'll finally be able to meet each other. Emet me'eretz titzmach. V'tzedek mishamayim nishkaf. All of a sudden you'll see things changing. Things will come out of the world of, of wisdom that belong to the realm of prophecy. Things in the realm of prophecy will come down into the world of wisdom. There'll be this unity between Chachamim and Nevi'im. Gam Adonai Hatov. Hashem will also give His part. He'll restore prophecy. And our land, our earthly realm, will give us back its produce, its Chachamim. V'nishmatoshen Moshe and Cesar of Kuk. And that soul of Moshe, that soul of Moshe that knew how to unite the generalities with the specifics, Tashuv Lehofia Ba'olam, will return back and shine and radiate its light in this world. Here, how Kuk leaves us off with his vision for the future. We're not as lost as you might think. The hatred of Halakha is really coming to push us to a loftier ideal. Don't discard halakha for prophecy. That's a mistake. And we see that mistake with our own eyes in communities that choose to be spiritual but not observant of Torah mitzvot. But you also don't want to have the other problem. 
You don't want the problem of a world in which we are so detail-oriented, we forget the purpose that we're here. We forget the reason for why HaKadosh Baruch Hu created us in the first place. We forget about the global mission that we are on to help improve humanity, to bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu to the world. And only by uniting these two forces, only by bringing back, not a Chacham who's better than a Navi, or a Navi that is larger than a Chacham, if we could bring back someone who is both a Navi and a Chacham, and if it's not a person, then an atmosphere, of bringing back to Am Yisrael, Nivu'ah, which is intertwined with Chokhmah, and Chokhmah, which is intertwined with Nivu'ah, that is what the redemption will look like. When all of these details that for thousands of years we have spent our time codifying and observing, will finally make sense in the broader scheme of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu plans for the world. That the things that we focus on in our homes and our day-to-day life will not be disconnected from the greatness of the world, from the mission that we were put in the world. That you'll have Am Yisrael that can be so hyper-focused on all of the details of Halakha and not forget about the generalities, not forget about the rest of humanity, not forget about all the other purposes we were put here. And I can end the way I started, and I'm asking forgiveness if I spoke too harshly. When I say you, I'm not speaking to you. A day from which the same Jews who are so particular about which hechsherim they eat, that are so particular about listening to music during Sefirat Omer, and are so particular about every other detail in the world, will also be just as careful to sanctify life, and to preserve life, and to give to the world a strong and united message. Am Yisrael, we come to this world to give life. That is our purpose. That is our essence. And that is exactly why we pray in a minyan three times a day. That's exactly why we put on tefillin in the morning. That's exactly why we light candles and why we wash our hands and why we do all the details that we do. Because if we so are, are so focused on those details that we miss the boat. We miss the picture entirely. We're so busy with all kinds of halakhot of not eating fish and meat together. Why? Because it's a danger. It's a danger. Yeah. So is putting other people's in life in real danger. That's also a danger. Don't forget. Don't forget the world because of the Shulchan Aruch. That's exactly what Maran will want from us. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu intended for humanity. And Bezalat Hashem, I pray and I hope for a day. A day in which the era of the Chachamim will end. Not because Chochmat Chachamim Tisrach, Chachmat Sofrim Tisrach. Not because people will despise the wisdom of the Chachamim. But because the wisdom of the Chachamim will be exposed to the world in a new light. Or chadash al Tzion ta'ir. There will be a new light that shines in Tzion. It says, Torah chadasha A new Torah will be given to the Jewish people. Chas v'shalom does not mean to replace a previous Torah. Rather it means a new understanding of Torah. A Torah that is a hybrid between Nevu'ah and Chokhmah and will finally be able to fix Am Yisrael. And in the words of Arav Uziel, the Jewish Mashiach is one that calls Karadoror lechol ha'aretz that will call for peace, uh, freedom in the whole land. But I, what you just saw is not a blackout, it's my timer that goes off on the lights. Uh, Yitzhak, I think that the last part of the camera, I'm gonna look like this. Uh, but everyone, I wish you an Erev Tov. Give me one second to put my screen back on and the lights back on.